0: Hello and welcome to emma's esl english today we're going to talk about interview related vocabulary i have covered interviews in the special group of videos i mentioned last week called the dream job interview preparation skills playlist i will put that at the end of the video and in the description for you and that group of video gives you a step-by-step guide to prepare for interview it does cover common interview questions. I'm not gonna cover those today. What I will do is on the blog, I'm gonna put a list of common interview questions and some English as to how you can answer those questions. But I think that would make for a very, very boring video. (laughs) So I've decided to do some other terms related to interviews that you might not have come across, unless you work in HR. You might know all these terms (laughs) if you work in HR, but otherwise you might not have come across them before. First of all, soft skills terminology. So soft skills refers to the general traits that people have that help them thrive in work, among other places. It's usually transferable skills, which are skills that you have anyway, and you can use in any job. It doesn't matter which job, which company, which country you live in, those skills will still be useful. So soft skills are things like communication and teamwork. Other common ones would be interpersonal skills, which kind of covers your communication and teamwork, the ability to communicate and interact well with others, adaptability, so being flexible and able to adjust to new situations, resilience, So the ability to bounce back from setbacks or difficult situations and initiative, which is taking action yourself without needing to be told. Certainly in Western companies and cultures, having your own initiative is a really important soft skill that we look for in a lot of employees. So that could be something that would be listed on the job description but it could also be something they might ask you at interview where you could put into your CV, examples of when you used your own initiative effectively. So if you have any of these soft skills, consider them valuable and do think about how you can incorporate them into your application. The next one is job specific jargon. We did talk about jargon a little while ago. Jargon is special words or terms that are used by a particular industry, profession, company, or group. That might be difficult for others to understand outside that situation. So jargon might include KPIs, key performance indicators. Those are specific metrics that are used to measure the performance on a job. And it's a good idea to mention KPIs or your regular achievement with them on your application form, especially in roles where KPIs are particularly important. Say for example, if you're working in sales, ROI, return on investment, the return on profit gained from an investment of resources. In my role in charities, I never came across that term. So it's very possible that for some of these, they're very industry dependent. And you might not need them or you might not come across them. Lead generation, identifying and cultivating potential customers for a business. Again, sales would be a big one for this, real estate, business analyst, consultants, they might all use these terms. And the last one of these is SWOT analysis, SWOT, which means assessing strengths weaknesses, opportunities, and threats within business strategy. Each of these is specific to an area of business and some like SWOT and also SMART are being used across many professions now. So they've sort of leaked out of the original business, which in SWOT was business strategy and are now being used to apply to lots of different kinds of businesses and systems. So you might hear about them more often. If any particular sorts of jargon applies in your industry, then it's really important that you learn the English version of that jargon and you know how to use it correctly in a sentence because that's going to demonstrate that you know what you're talking about with your area of business. Next one, interview process terminology. So this is related to the HR department, the kind of stuff that you might hear about, talk about, might be written on your application, written on your job spec, all kinds of stuff like that. So the first one is screening. And this is a little bit similar, maybe the same even as shortlisting. Shortlisting would be the UK term. I think screening maybe would be more of an American term. And it means the initial evaluation or assessment of candidates. So when you send in your application form, it's gonna be screened or shortlisted to decide, do you go to interview or not? There could also be a phone screen or perhaps a video screen which means that an initial interview is going to be conducted by phone or video to determine if you meet the initial requirements for the role. That could be they have too many people to choose from and they want to do a short interview first to just see if you're right to go to the next stage. So it might be a way for them to limit the number of people going to the next stage of interview. It could be that being on video is part of your role. So for me, teaching online, being on video was part of my role. So I had to show them that I could do that, that I was okay on video so that they would get me to the next level of the interview. So it could be related to the job that you're doing. Reference check. Most jobs that you go to these days, you need to have a reference check. It could be a professional reference check, which means they're going to go back and ask your previous company, your previous manager, was this a good person? Are they trustworthy? It could be a character reference, which means that they're going to want to know someone that you know. Usually they want someone professional, like a police officer or a banker or something like that but essentially someone who has known you for a long time to say that you're trustworthy. Character references are very common if you're just entering the job market. And the last one is onboarding. So that's the process of integrating and training a new employee. So the onboarding word is only going to be used after your interview. When you, you're getting the job, they might start talking about when to begin the onboarding process meaning when to start you working. There are also different kinds of interview, especially these days, when we have so many different kinds of job. And whereas in the past they would be training you on the job, these days, a lot of times, they expect you to know everything before you start. So the different kinds of interviews are to determine how much you know and how much they need to train you and whether they want you for the job. So you might have a case interview that's commonly used in consulting and analytical roles and involves presenting a candidate with a business scenario or problem to solve. So they're literally gonna give you a situation and say, what would you do in this situation? Whiteboarding is often used in technical interviews and involves problem solving or code writing on a whiteboard to assess your thought processes and approach and whether you can even code. They might send you to an assessment center. So that's somewhere that's gonna check on various different levels, different sorts of stuff that you can do. All sorts of different kind of assessment center. Could be mathematical, could be physical, depends on the job. And a panel interview which means that you're not being interviewed by one person, but a group of people. And this might be common if you're entering a higher level of job. So if you're going for a director position, then it might be common that you're interviewed by the CEO, the chief of finance, person above you, and perhaps even people from the board of directors. Or if you're going to say, for example, an interview to be a university professor, Then you might be interviewed by other university professors, the dean of the university, and again, maybe some people on the board. So they're each going to have questions to ask you a little bit more stressful than the average interview. Luckily, you got the job. Yay. Fantastic. So the next thing we need to talk about is negotiation terms. You might talk about the salary bracket. That's the range of salary offered for a position. It's a good idea to check online websites like Glassdoor to find out what is common in this company, what is common in this industry. LinkedIn does a lot of stuff on common price ranges. And don't forget, you can use ChatGTP to give you an idea of common salary ranges as well. So use all the technology you can to find out what that is. In the UK, if you're working for the government, so the civil service, the NHS, local councils, then there are salary brackets for each grade and level. So it will be quite easy for you to find out how much that salary bracket is, and it will determine maybe what qualifications you have, what experience you have as to whether you're at the top or the bottom of that salary bracket. The compensation package details the total benefits and salary offered by a company. So you can negotiate on the compensation package and there might be some benefits that you don't need, you don't want, and some benefits that you do want more of or something. And also counter offer. The counter offer is a response to an initial job offer proposing a different term. So they give you, oh, we will pay you this much money and you're like, mm, how about this much money? If you're making a counter offer, it's important that you have good arguments for that. It could be that your argument is I went online and your offer is super low and actually this position should be paid at this higher level or it could be I have a master's degree so I need that higher level. Finally I want to talk about techniques that can help you improve your answer to questions. So I mentioned at the beginning we do have commonly asked questions at interview. Of those questions there's a specific bracket that I want to talk about. These questions are called behavioral interview questions and they are designed to get specific examples from your past experiences to assess how you handled various situations. They could be things like, tell me about a time you did blah, 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 or can you describe a time when you had to resolve a conflict within a team? So these behavioral interview questions, there is a trick for answering them, and it's called the STAR method. So the STAR method stands for situation, task, action, and result. And if you use this method to structure your answers, then it can make it easier to answer those questions because you know how to structure it. And also it can make your answers sound better. If we go back to our question, can you describe a time when you had to resolve a conflict within a team, then the situation might be you just describing the context or the situation where that conflict arose. Then the task might be explaining your role or what was expected of you in that situation. The action might be detailing the steps you took to address and resolve the conflict. And then the result would be sharing the outcome of your actions and what you learned from that experience. A lot of times that's the key point. They want to know, okay, yes, you've had this experience. How did you handle this experience? And what did you learn from it? What would you do differently next time? Is there anything you'd change? Is there anything you would avoid? You know, that kind of thing. So using the STAR method can be a great way to answer those questions effectively and demonstrate some of your skills and abilities through these real life examples. These sorts of questions are really, really common these days in interviews. So being familiar with this structure can significantly enhance your performance in an interview. And I would suggest practicing these. When it comes to interview questions, practice, practice, practice. Go to ChatGPT, ask it what kind of questions would be normal for this kind of job, and then sit down and try and answer all of those questions, write down your answers in English, and then practice either to a camera or to a friend, practice answering them face-to-face with somebody as well. If you're not a native English speaker, then I would say practicing those kind of questions is the most important thing you can do because the hardest thing to do is speak a foreign language when you're nervous, right? We've talked about this so many times before, your English disappears. That's totally normal, but an interview is a stressful environment. So you've got to do everything you can to support yourself preparing for that stressful environment. You're going to feel a lot less stressed if you feel like I know what they're going to ask me. I know how I'm going to answer. I know I've done as much practice as I can. That's going to reduce your stress level significantly and make it much easier for you to access your English. So that's a really good thing to do. So that's it for today. Remember, some tips for answering specific questions I'm going to put in the blog. So if you head to www.emazeslenglish.com, in the blog there, just put episode 192 into the search bar and you'll be able to find this episode and those common questions and ways to answer those questions will be in the blog post for this episode. Remember, you can also go here to find that dream jobs playlist that I mentioned before. This is just another brilliant video from this podcast. (laughs) See you later. Bye.